There was a time in my life when I really didn't like looking in the mirror. I couldn't take knowing that what you want to look like doesn't match what you see, which are all your flaws. If we're honest, beyond just what we see physically in the mirror, we know that there's something essentially wrong within all of us, and that at our core, none of us are truly good. Even the scribes and Pharisees who brought out a woman caught in adultery to Jesus had to admit that they, too, were not without sin. Just as looking in a mirror reflects all of our flaws, so does examining our inner selves to know that we aren't actually well. What we do about this awareness is telling. We can try to cover our flaws, or we tell ourselves that we're better than what we are. Or we put mind over matter and muster the willpower to overcome our deficiencies. All of these means fall short in light of what the gospel promises us in the area of change. This is Life as He Reveals, where we unpack the Christian faith beyond Sunday morning. I'm your host, Sharice Lee, and in this episode, we're tackling the topic of change, how we change, what keeps us from changing, and what's truly good about the gospel of Jesus Christ to affect change in our lives. If I reflect back on that year, um, change for me was all external circumstances, which helped kind of expose and begin the journey of helping me really see um I guess the importance of how much interchange is so much more important versus, you know, constantly changing circumstances. My first guest is Sarah Laguna. Sarah and I attend the same church where her husband, Aram, is the assistant pastor. Sarah and I got to know each other more deeply in the past year as we were part of the same church discipleship group. And she talks with me now about how God has enabled change in her life. So it was a lot of different um, external things starting in the, in the beginning of 2018 with just seeing my, started with my dad, seeing him, who I would consider like my spiritual, my biggest spiritual influence and sh- like influence of my life and seeing him actually go through a period of depression where he was questioning his faith that like seeing that really rocked me um because I thought like if somebody this strong in his faith is struggling this much because of some you know because he was also having health issues like I don't how am I gonna make it um and and I'm not even half as strong in my faith as my dad um and then like it wasn't even a month later within weeks I found out that one of my closest girlfriends from junior high, high school, and college went to school together. Um, she had a, a bacterial infection and ended up um, on life support for four months. But it had started like a little bit after my dad had gone through his depression. Um, so that was very, that was traumatic, just being able to, just seeing that happen to a close friend who was not a believer and she's somebody that I continue to, um, I, I know that God has allowed our relationship to maintain through the years for a reason. Um, 
And then after that, like literally maybe a month later, um, our caretaker for Jojo told us that she would no longer be able to um, watch her. So I was losing childcare. And then like maybe another month after that, it was um, changing circumstances at work where my boss was uh, leaving and a new boss was coming in. Um, And then in August, August was when I, early August, we had found out that I was pregnant with our fourth. We were not expecting it. It was a surprise. And then um, I had a miscarriage in that, that month. And then late, like later of that same week of that miscarriage, um, it was the Sunset Leadership Retreat. And Arm needed a lot of help. So I still had to, you know, keep things moving, keep helping um, in the middle of still going through that process and having migraines, but still having to be useful at that retreat. And then right after that, we had to go to um, a small group um, trip and spend time with community. And then a week after that, my closest aunt had passed away. So it was just like nonstop. Things just kept happening. And I felt like I couldn't... um, I think that maybe I was just in shock and not realizing how much was happening. But then when I experienced the miscarriage and I was like forced to be on bed rest and then dealing with um, my aunt's passing and just the stress and just of everything, whether it was my dad, my work stress, my friend on ICO, life support and just everything and just um, it wasn't until I was literally on bed rest where I think God finally got my attention Um, not to say that he forced that to happen so that he could get my attention but he allowed it to happen I do for a reason and um, that was a hard time where I genuinely was angry at God for for all the things that he was allowing um, to happen. And the funny thing is, <clears throat> maybe two years ago in 2016, when we had moved to this the house that we're currently at, Aram had gotten me a, um, one of those like Bible verses on a printed out on a canvas. And the passage he had thought it was my favorite passage at the time, but it wasn't. And it was an excerpt of from Isaiah 43. Um, but when he had given it to me for Christmas, um, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, thank you. This um, this is great. He's like, oh, is this your favorite? I thought it was your favorite um, verse. I'm like, ah, uh, actually, it's Isaiah 40, but um, 43 is good, too. But I it never, like... <laughs> The past, the verses actually never spoke to me ever in that, in the two years that like it, that it was um, hanging in our home, but it took it not until that 2018 and all the different events that I guess God had allowed me to go through and experience was when that passage from Isaiah 43 um, 
mainly verses two to mainly verse two where it finally clicked and made sense and um spoke to my heart uh, and i could read it real quick here it just says but now thus says the lord he who created you O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. And those verses spoke to me because I finally, the, the words when, um, stuck out to me and it was the Holy Spirit I guess just reminding me it's not if you pass through waters or if you go through the rivers or if you walk through fire but when 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 and uh, him reassuring me of his presence um, and that the changes all the circumstances that he was allowing me to go through and even though it felt overwhelming even though it felt like I was being burned um through it that he was still with me and so that was that was 2018 (laughs) yeah i mean three three years ago now since since we just turned the calendar year and and you remember it with such clarity and in thinking back of all the different series of things and and just how it kind of came one upon another a circumstance um something happening with you or with a family member or someone you knew at the time you know you mentioned that um you know of course there were some emotions attached to experiencing that all but as as you look back now i guess about three years later what do you think god was trying to say as far as changing you indeed there was a a a revelation that his presence is is always with us, never leaving us as, as far away as we feel he is through different things that are happening. But were there, there some ways in which you feel that God was changing you in, in your own character? Um, I think helping me understand his presence on a deeper level and teaching me that changing circumstances is inevitable in life. Um, But my presence, my commitment to you, my love for you is unchanging and not that it not that it radically changed me overnight, but I think it definitely helped root me, I guess, with a stronger foundation and or it was just comforting to know that um, just that his, he was with me that I could that even if he, he's allowing all these things to go um, to happen to me, I guess a sense of resilience uh, in my character was starting to form 
um, because until that year, I don't think I've ever experienced uh, that level or frequency or degree of hardship all in one a, a short period of time mm. um, where I felt like my faith is being tested and I had every inclination to want to um, complain and I mean not that I didn't complain I definitely still vividly remember just like falling to the ground like a crying toddler when what was the last straw when I found out something um, maybe that I was losing my nanny I literally fell down to the ground in my kitchen after I hung up the phone and I was just like what more are you gonna throw at me God like um, how much more am I supposed to take and and I and I think I always um, struggle with you know, going to the extremes of, you know, well, I'm not in a third world country. I'm not being persecuted for my faith. I um, I have so much to be thankful for and all those things. But um, I'm thankful that God didn't, I guess, respond to me in a way that where I felt shamed to be better, but it was more a comforting presence of, I'm with you. Mm. Um, I don't expect you to, you know, be a warrior or have it all together, but just know that I'm with you. And that at that time, I guess, in that season, that was, that was enough. Mm. And that should be enough, regardless of the circumstances that he allows us to go through. Mm-hmm. So as he was reminding you and, and changing your heart, reminding you of his presence, um, it made me think to just as a church, you know, our our goal that we, we state um, is that we want to make gospel transform disciples, you know, of ourselves first and, of course, to the extent of the world around us, our community and, and the world. And when I think about how that actually happens, you know, when we say the gospel produces change or that it transforms us, it, it kind of can seem a little ambiguous. And as you're sharing now, you know, through all these different difficulties from 2018, this was a way that God was changing you, getting your attention and reminding you of, of who he is and uh, allowing you to come to, you know, a deeper love for his, his steadfast faithfulness. If you mm -hmm. look back, you know, beyond, I guess, 2018, just to your entire Christian life, would you say that it is through difficulties and trials that you have seen the most change in your life? I, I would think so. I think, um, the deeper work, the deeper internal change where, where it's like character changing, I don't think those come without the hardship. Um, I think when we, when I first became a Christian, it's so easy, like the immediate changes were easy to see, like the external sins, I, you know, no more 
smoking, drinking, being reckless. Like those were the easy, quick changes that I was able to make or able to see and others were able to see. Um, but I definitely think the internal change and the internal sins, whether it's, you know, the different idolatry or I, idols that I had in my heart, my deeper character issues, like those definitely were not anything that changed quickly, even as a baby Christian. Um, I, I definitely think it took hardship of um, marriage to do, to begin the deeper work and surgery that my heart needed and for um, God to expose the different areas of my heart that needed changing. I do think from what you're sharing that coming to a point of our need or our helplessness is an important one to change um, because uh, change doesn't happen for the Christian, I believe, until we start realizing our, our desperation. And um, when you were talking, it, it reminded me of a quote from Tim Keller um, who says that some people say that calling yourself a sinner is emotionally unhealthy. And Tim Keller says, oh no, it's emotionally unhealthy not to call yourself a sinner, to be able to say, I'm capable of terrible things, but I am unconditionally loved is the epitome of mental health. It is the gospel that gives us that. The gospel gives us the freedom to admit who we are when the information comes to see where we need to change to know ourselves. But I think for so often, we don't see that gospel change for a lot of believers. And, you know, I'm not really sure all the time what could be the strongholds or or what's holding them up from really changing. But what are your thoughts on that when you see others within the church who who could be changing in an area that you know that they've shared about, but they're not? I, I think you touched on it when um, a little bit about people not wanting to change. I, I think I would also fall in the same boat if I think we as individuals are our own barriers and um, whether it's due to a lack of awareness or intentional living or discipline or, or accountability or, or, or whatnot, I think at the end of the day, uh, it could be a lot of different reasons, but if we truly don't desire it, if we don't value greater things, holiness, um, wanting to be Christ-like, then, and if we're not beholding those things, then we're not going to want to go in that direction. Hmm. And I think the challenge of, I guess, being in a posture to behold those things and to value greater things, um, that that's the challenge, I feel like, of, of daily living. And, and I think... Um, COVID has been a blessing for humanity, myself too, just mm. to force us to deal with ourselves, to strip our lives of the excess and to force ourselves time and space to just, we have to look at ourselves. I mean, granted, we can still waste a lot of time with Netflix or be on our phones, um, 
but I think if we're not making space to reflect and to look introspectively, to look under the covers of our heart, then, yeah, it's very easy to just coast through life and never deal with the deeper issues that we really have, the different idols that we have, and and, and coast as a superficial Christian, but not really allowing uh, ourselves to truly be changed. I, I think that's such a challenge. I, I'm actually reading a really great book right now called The Deeply... Um, Deeply Formed Life by Rich Valados. Mm-hmm. I think he's, um, but it's been so eye-opening, just not rocket science, but just reminding people that, yeah, if we are not regularly making space to engage and allow God to speak to us through the word, then, you know, we're just living on autopilot, mm-hmm. re- living and reacting to whatever comes at us but not if we're not making space to do that and to be in a posture to see things that are worth greater Mm. I don't know values and just things beyond this world and to have a broader perspective um, then yeah it is very hard to change and we won't change Mm. yeah I think sometimes there there is a numbness to things you know or complacency I should say that things are are just kind of the way that they're going to be or I'm going to be who I am going to be I, th- I feel sometimes there there is that that attitude that's perhaps unsaid and I think another thing that I've been thinking about at least in the last day in in really thinking about like what what really transforms us and I think we really need to know, like as, as Tim Keller's quote says, I think we really need to know how good the gospel and our salvation is. And I know it sounds cliche of preaching to ourselves, but I think if we don't really know the depths to which we are saved and therefore unconditionally loved, as Tim Keller puts it, we don't have that freedom to look at our ugliness and in a way that does not bring shame and in a way that says I am not mastered by my flesh or my sin you know I am Christ and the Holy Spirit gives me the power to change and I think I think that transparency that vulnerability whether it's through self-reflection as you say or, or just in, in how people engage you in a particular area of your life. I, I think there has to be that base and foundation for us to really make baby steps to change. Because if we don't have that, I think we will only try to attempt it in our own way or avoid it, I guess, in our own way. So mm-hmm. that brings me to my last question here, which is just about what do we do as Christians who are part of a local church to help each other change? It's hard enough, we've talked about this, of, of how we can change ourselves, but there is a commitment within a church to understand that we want to encourage one another to maturity in Christ, you know, until we all one day are 
in eternity and in our in our re- fully redeemed bodies and state. Uh, but what what can we do as fellow believers to encourage one another towards change? It's a good but hard question, I think, to to practice. Um, uh, I think it definitely. I think twofold, if we, as you said, as individuals don't know the depths of our sinfulness, then the gospel isn't as precious and beautiful to us. So that if that's not the starting place, then it's, you almost question the quality of uh, true I guess, true, um, transparent and authentic and, uh, I guess gospel relationships in the church community Mm. that aren't superficial. Um, I think I can think maybe I, I can count on my hand, actually, just the number of times where I've actually experienced a genuine community where I have felt accepted even though they knew the depths of my sins and my struggles. And I was not ashamed to be completely vulnerable and honest, but it was because they've created, they were able to create that safe space and establish trust um, as the, the trust was based on just a foundational, like everybody agreeing and knowing that none of us have it together. We all have our issues but we are committing to one another to to love one another, accept one another, and we're going to be vulnerable and be a community that is transparent because we we need each other to grow and to change. And that was, I, I, yeah, I've only experienced it twice, actually. Um, one, rec- before I got married, it was actually a Caucasian church, which I totally had my doubts about. What are these, you know, non-Asian women going to, know about my struggles or how they're I, I did not think that um god was gonna use that but they that was my first experience of feeling completely accepted and loved even and i shared the depths and ugliness of my sin struggles in that season of my life um and then the secondly was our recent our discipleship group when we were together just really just experiencing feeling a community that was committed to one another and the same foundation. I felt like we all understood that who we are before God. And so there was that base baseline where there was no, you know, wearing of any mask, but we were able to be vulnerable and um, accepting of one another's. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do think um, like my I, I can see it, a challenge in that and I, and I can it, it affects me too, but am I going to choose to let others get close enough to me to allow for change? It, it's a choice to be vulnerable. It's a choice to share my weaknesses and you know if it's in my flesh, I would rather choose to act like I do have it all together and and, and pretend that 
um, I don't struggle with 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 sins and um, hmm. and it's tricky within community you know when we experience good community you know it could definitely those those two times you shared and I'll be biased towards the second one because I was a part of it but the, <laughs> the you know when we experience good community it could happen you know outside of Christ too right like we could all connect over you know a favorite food or some some mutual thing that we all hold in in common but I think right. that when we do experience the community that does help us to change it's it's not only that we feel the, the ability to be vulnerable and transparent with one another. But I think also what I felt being part of a discipleship group with you and, and the two other women in our group, I think we were, we were also committed to not allow ourselves to, to be just in the state that we are as far as our brokenness or the areas in which we know that God is refining us. And I think, at least for me, when I think about what is my role in in helping others change? And, and not that I, we get a savior complex because again, we're all messed up and broken. But I think there's something too that, that we need to learn in community to be able to tell other people that they're not well or that they we see something, we observe something in them that could use change. And I think that's where I'm afraid to go at times because I will rather maybe allow people to be in a certain state because it's more comfortable for me in my relationship with them, if that makes sense. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you see that as a major issue, but at least that's for me. That's like where I need to grow better. Of course, in relationship, it's not, it's not calling everybody out when we see them, um, you know, on a given Sunday when we all go back to that. But it's, it's it, of course, in relationship, in journeying with them and getting to know them and breaking through maybe some of that awkwardness that sometimes just keeps our relationships at a level where we're actually not pushing each other towards change. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true and so hard without wisdom and discernment to know how to say things mm. I think it's very easy to it's easy to see, point out and see be critical and see where other people need to change I think that comes naturally to me to most people but how do we convey it in a way that's actually beneficial to helping them to change um, that's hard I think that's that's there needs to be a level of discernment that and dependence on the spirit for the right time and for the right to be a message that's important i think needs to be delivered with with care and with love and sensitivity but with truth mm -hmm. and it it's very hard but but needed the church of jesus christ is full of messy and broken people and that's especially myself included. But as we recognize our sinfulness, it's the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ has redeemed us. And we understand, as Ephesians 4.13 says, that it is until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In the church, it's about all of us changing to be more like Christ as his redeemed people. And when we can be transparent and vulnerable within community, it becomes a powerful avenue for change. Long-lasting change really comes through Christ and mm-hmm. um, and having an eternal perspective and having the Holy Spirit like allow us to have change that's lo- like lasting. Kelly Pongder is my next guest, a friend whom I've also had the privilege of sharing life with in a community group at my church, along with her husband, John. Kelly recently completed her hours to become a licensed therapist, and she shares with me about change from a clinical standpoint, but also as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ. I think when people come to therapy or are seeking therapy, they're already at a crossroads where they um, realize something needs to change or um, something needs to be different or they need, yeah, something, right? And so um, I think people come to the point where they might say, you know, oh, I feel uncomfortable or I don't want to live this way. Um, But oftentimes people might just tell themselves like, oh, I'll be fine though. I can just get through this. I think this is some of the self-talk that people who want to seek help um, are experiencing. So, oh, I'll be fine. And I think that is it could be like a form of denial, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe um, people come to a point where they say, um, I need to change, but you know, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and, and people might minimize, might minimize like your experience or what you're going through. Um, or maybe it could be even um, you're, you're realizing you need to make changes, um, but, you know, you, you tell yourself, like, oh, but, you know, what's wrong with me, like, you know, and you, you know, condemn yourself or something, um, but sometimes I, I feel like the turning point when people come to therapy is just, like, desperation, and they mm-hmm. realize, like, I, I need help, and it's just the honest realization, like, I can't do this on my own Hmm. um and so maybe a turning point of just humility Mm -hmm. and saying like something needs to be different um so maybe those are the points where people realize like there needs to be some kind of change like too unbearable to live the way they are living maybe and Hmm. um they need to pivot or do something yeah different Hmm. So for the average Christian and um, the average Christian who does not spend time in the counseling office, what do you think for the average Christian as far as looking at change and how to change, um, where, where does one start when they think that they need to make some kind of change and how do they determine if it's something that they need like additional help in, like say from a person like yourself, a licensed therapist? I guess I'll speak generally, maybe as a Christian um, and maybe people would come to a point where they've prayed through whatever challenge they're going through. Um, maybe they thought the word, um, 
know, taught, you know, other Christian brothers and sisters and community um, for support. Um, but sometimes just like those things aren't enough. Mm. <laughs> and, um, and I think sometimes as Christians, we over-spiritualize mental health issues and we say like, oh, well, maybe you're just not praying enough or you're not reading your Bible enough or, mm. you know, and I don't think that that is the only thing that can bring healing and um, change to somebody. And um, sometimes I think we do need professional help mm. um, and a safe space to be able to um, process um, and just talk through whatever the challenge or problem or whatever is going on, whether it's in, in a mental health issue, could be depression, anxiety, um, and these things could even um, warrant like medication as well. And um, yeah, and, and I think um, that, yeah, there, there are so many aspects to, um, I guess, when you need to, you, per, the person realizes like they need help. Um, but it has to come from within, I think. You, mm-hmm. you can't force somebody to seek help. Um, mm-hmm. They need to realize it for themselves and then take agency and say, mm-hmm. hey, like I've tried this. I've reached out in community. I've, I've tried all these different things, but I, I can't do it on my own. How do we help each other towards change and allow each other to, to see perhaps where we're not well? and perhaps where we do need change and and maybe even some kind of professional help? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's a lot of things to that that question. Um, I think one, we need to normalize the stigma of Mm -hmm. um, therapy or seeking counseling in mental health. I think that, especially as Asian Americans, there's um, so much shame around seeking um, counseling or therapy and I think that if we're able to normalize this and realize like we're all um, broken (laughs) sinful falling going through I mean everyone is experiencing the effects of the pandemic (laughs) and all the grief and loss and probably heightened um, anxiety and stress Um, and so it's not out of the ordinary that we're struggling, right? And so just normalizing, mm-hmm. like, it's okay to seek help. Um, and then within the Christian community in, in the context of, like, the local church, and if you're in, like, a maybe if you're in, like, a small group or community group, um, I think when people are struggling and needing support and help, I think as fellow um, brothers and sisters, is um, helping to reorient them or... Um, point them back to what are your values, what are your priorities or purpose, and um, and if they're struggling, like help point them back to those things. And um, and if they're having a hard time and they can't figure things out on their own, um, just supporting them, um, listening. But to a certain point, like if you're not, you know, a trained professional and it gets to be really overwhelming and burdensome, then maybe like learning what are the you know, local resources and referrals you could support somebody. Like I will fully admit to perhaps seeing areas in which 
I know I should encourage somebody to change it, but it's just really hard to -hmm. have that kind of conversation because it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Are there ways that you would recommend on on how we can engage that as far Mm -hmm. as what do how do we even start? <laughs> I guess we'd mm-hmm. have to start with just a desire to want to. Yeah, I to, think the desire mm-hmm. for sure. And just having to like, not having to, but choosing to love um, our friends or, you know, the people in the community that we're, we choose to be in, um, to love them as they are and um, gently consent. Um, and um, I think, yeah, it could, you could just not want to do it because it takes too much energy or, oh, it's uncomfortable. But I don't think we grow if we just stay safe and we don't address these things. If they're truly um, your friends and you're in community with them and you want to challenge in a loving way, um, I think there are um, ways to do it that's um, tactful and you just be mindful of um Speaking truth and love with grace, I think that's so important. Change is definitely not something that's limited to just the Christian context. And I think I've heard before that one of the most popular genres of books is the self-help variety. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. you know, people are looking to change. And, you know, we're, we're looking at starting a new year. And mm-hmm. it's a time of year where people start to invest in some kind of change in their Mm -hmm. lives. And so we know that as Christians, we're not unique to wanting change. But yet there is something really distinct about a Christian's ability to change um, through the lens of the gospel. And I know that as in your profession, um, working as a Christian therapist doesn't necessarily mean that all your clients are Christian, but what can you say of some distinctly uh, Christian things or what a Christian would have as far as a unique ability to change? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I I am a therapist who happens to be a Christian, not a Christian therapist, just to clarify. Um, but I think as a Christian, whether I'm talking about myself or clients who come or um, anyone in church community like um, we have the Holy Spirit we have God um, to be able to be our hope and um, that when we make change through the power of God's Spirit that it's long lasting I think that oftentimes you know New Year comes around and we have all these New Year's resolutions and we're like okay we're going to do this and this or I'm going to read my Bible every day, or I'm going to exercise and, you know, um, eat this way. And those are all fine and well and great. Um, but I think um, for a long-lasting change to happen, it honestly can't be just out of our own strength because we're human and we, <laughs> we're simple and um, we have limitations. And, um, yeah, it's just hard to stick to strict regimens um, on our own human capacity but as a Christian um, having like having God and God's power and his Holy Spirit in us that um, we can make change um, that that's long lasting um, 
and we're going to fail even with God because we're human. But um, if we have the perspective of like we're living in light of eternity and have that eternal perspective, um, whether we fail or we're successful, like um, it's not in vain. It's time now in our podcast to look at scripture. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Acts 2.37 Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter gives a sermon at Pentecost outlining Jesus Christ as the promised Messiah and essentially does a modern-day mic drop. The Jewish crowd responds with an immediate sense of their need for change, asking what they should do in response to recognizing Jesus as their Savior, with Peter then telling them to repent and be baptized. Salvation in Christ signals a most dramatic change from darkness to light, and I love this passage for the immediacy of the crowd's willingness to change in light of the truth of the gospel. Romans 8, 1-4 There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The dramatic change at conversion is one thing, but in this passage and in the couple of chapters leading up to Romans 8, Paul makes the case for what Christ has accomplished for the believer. Our old self is gone, and we have new life in Christ. Our motivation to change ourselves by no longer living according to the flesh and the power of sin is the result of our new identity in Christ. But Paul is real to point out in chapter 7 that there's still a real battle within our flesh and sin, and chapter 8 then makes it resoundingly clear that we who are in Christ Jesus are not condemned because of this. Thus, the earlier quote from Tim Keller makes sense, that we're capable of terrible things, but are unconditionally loved. What this results in is such great freedom. So looking in the mirror or knowing my sin doesn't crush me because I know that I'm permanently acceptable to God because of Christ. So I can say that I messed up, but there's no shame, no guilt. I'm not condemned to this status. I'm not denying or covering up my sin, which is what I would want to do as a perfectionist. I'm also not trying to change myself by just trying harder by my own willpower. Verse 4 tells us that our change from living according to the flesh is that now we live according to the Spirit. And the Spirit in His divine way reminds us of just how good Christ is, that because of Him we have permanent standing with the Father. 
And that is truth that I need each time that I rely on myself or in my inner thoughts to justify myself. The means to change is possible through the finished work of Christ and by walking in the Spirit. But what does this look like to actually apply change to our lives? First, let's consider Sarah's statement that she was grateful to have the desire to change in the midst of a very difficult year for her. Sometimes even as Christians, we may not even want to change. We're comfortable where we are, or maybe we've tried and failed and have given in to the idea that change is just not possible. Kelly advised us in the face of change to reframe the situation by looking at what we can control and understanding our human agency. I would say that if desire is not there to change, we need to go back to what the gospel promises us and remember that we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And because of this, we're a new creation. We can't possibly be the same. As we said before, we're flawed but ultimately loved, and this is truth that we need to preach to ourselves daily at times as we deal with sin and our flesh. Romans chapters 6 to 8 are such pivotal truths as to what our salvation has accomplished for us and that we can live as changed people because of Christ, the key verse there being Romans 8, 1. It's a clear antidote to our problem. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm convinced that if we truly understood the impact of this one verse, many of our various trappings would be resolved. Condemnation has the idea of judgment, liability, and debt. If we rely solely on our flesh, we're quickly self-focused. So if we let the truth of our new status sink in, That desire to change results from the freedom we have to truly be who we are because of Christ. Second, both Sarah and Kelly highlighted the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. The Holy Spirit is the closest member of the Godhead to us, but yet we often find him so mysterious. Amongst his many roles is the Spirit's job to magnify the work of Christ in our life. However, we still need to yield to the work of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit is not automatic, and the Spirit is not something that's tangible that we can just pick up and pull out from our back pocket. We have to submit to the Spirit's work to remind us of just how great our salvation is. And as we do, we'll let go of our own self-salvation projects and what Sarah described as the Holy Spirit doing surgery on our hearts. The self-care that Kelly mentioned is also important here, too. In yielding to the Spirit, there's a type of humility and vulnerability needed. And when the Spirit uncovers that we're not as well as we think we are, we need to do things, like Kelly said, to grieve. One of the most helpful ideas on change that a friend shared with me is that with every change comes loss. And we need to mourn that loss before we can really move on towards greater inner change as produced by the Spirit. Third, as I have spent time with both Sarah and Kelly in the local church, it's important that change be attempted in community. 
Like Sarah shared, when there's good community, there's a forum for deep connections with people and the potential for powerful change-inducing relationships. As we're in community, we also need to take out anything that might be hindering our openness for change to happen. Members in community need to respond with thoughtful care and prayer. Spiritual truth must be declared and accountability maintained without over-spiritualizing things, as we discussed with Kelly. Sometimes God is functionally sidelined as we rely too much on other individuals, and discernment needs to be made if helping an individual to change is beyond the capacity of the community and needs professional counseling. Finally, I want to share one helpful exercise that really helped me reform one of my tendencies towards negative thinking, which often spirals into a form of anxiety. It's one thing to be mindful of what we're minding, similar to the method Kelly shared of cognitive behavioral therapy. I think we also need to remember that true change must address the heart and must also be rooted in the truth of scripture. So in looking at a particularly unhealthy behavior, like my negative thoughts, you could spend some time documenting those triggers to those thoughts and reflect on what happened as a result of those triggers and looking at the emotions and the behaviors that resulted. Then, as I did, you can think about biblical truths that can address that situation and then finally what a healthy response instead would be like. Another way to look at this is understanding our core beliefs, what we believe about ourselves as manifested in our outward actions. If this is hard to determine, I think we can then really consider what our fears are and understand our fears as a form of an idol because we're placing more importance in that fear than the truth of God. This is how I've discovered that my fear of not being acceptable to others is actually revealing a core belief that I'm just not acceptable to God, which is completely false and untrue, given that all we know of scripture and our salvation that has been secured by Jesus Christ. In all of these different applications to move towards change, we also can't forget the discipline of faithful prayer and time in God's word. Prayer expresses our need as we ask for help to change, and God's word through the conviction of the Holy Spirit helps us with greater faithfulness to live out our holy calling as God's children. Father, how wonderful to know that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We claim the truth of Romans 6, 5-6, For if we have been united with Christ in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. This is such good news for our souls. Help us to remember that change is possible through the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. May we live as transformed people who declare to the world that saving grace and life that is ours because of Jesus Christ. And may we learn to long for eternity when our change will finally be complete. Thanks for listening to the Life as He Reveals podcast. For more episodes, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can find me on my website, lifeasherevealscom